All right, we know where we sit in things, and we knew that things would be tough coming out of something like the height of the pandemic that we saw. We knew that. We've seen interest rates rise. We've seen the main lending rate rise. We have seen a lot of rise. Gas prices have certainly gone with that rise. And those gas prices are not coming down anytime soon. The price of food continues to go up. So when it comes to food, we can't avoid it. We need it. We need to have food. But if it's becoming increasingly expensive, well, or increasingly more expensive, what do we do? Well, we try and make food go further. And one of the best ways to do it is to cut out any waste that we may have in our grocery shopping and in our refrigerators and freezers. Someone who pays very close attention to this is Haley Everett, lecturer and Ph.D. candidate in the Department of Geography and Environment at Western University. And we talked with Haley today, and we told Haley, look, we mean to eat everything that we buy, but it just doesn't always happen. Unfortunately not. That would be an ideal situation. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing, you know, everyone is throwing away some food waste, um, whether that's avoidable components. So things that we could have eaten rather than thrown away, like, you know, that, that slice of pizza you left in the back of your fridge and forgot about and it grew some mold. If we had better managed and thought about that piece of pizza, we probably could have eaten it rather than getting it, uh, sending it to the landfill. But we also all have unavoidable food waste as well. And this is, you know, those inedible components to food. Um, if you choose to eat a banana, you're going to have a banana peel that you're likely going to throw away. If you are someone who likes to drink a cup of coffee in the morning, probably not going to eat those coffee grounds as they're going to end up in the landfill too. So we all have, you know, some organic waste that we are sending to landfill. It's just that avoidable stuff. Those, those extra slices of pizza in the back of the fridge, those uh, container of blueberries that we let get a little green. Um, that's the stuff that we really want to focus on. And unfortunately that is the type of food waste that we see most often generated uh, by households in the city. So about 54% of our food waste in London on average is actually avoidable. We don't need to throw it away. We could better manage it and completely uh, reduce that from our landfill stream. You buy stuff, you mean to eat it, it goes into the freezer, the freezer can be a dark place, stuff gets buried, you pick it up and you think, this is just a frost ball now, it used to be, I don't know, chicken, pork, away it goes, like you say, vegetables get hidden under things, maybe we need different refrigerators, maybe wider, bigger, probably not, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, I don't know where we'd put them. Haley, let's talk about the fact that this hasn't necessarily been a topic that's been researched for a long period of time but now that research has started we're getting more and more you actually did some research during the pandemic what sorts of things jumped out at you yeah so we're seeing the total amount of food waste generated in the city of london ontario hasn't really changed from before the pandemic so you know we're seeing about three kilograms on average uh being sent to landfill per household per week which, you know, if we look at the entire year, that's just shy of 160 kilograms of food being wasted by each household every year. 
Um, but what we are seeing significant changes to is this generation of that unavoidable food waste. Um, so we've seen about a 65% increase in the generation of unavoidable food waste during COVID. Uh, and in particular, we're seeing a lot more unavoidable fruit and vegetables. So those banana peels, those avocado pits, uh, as well as unavoidable other foods like coffee grounds and tea bags and kind of sauces and candies and stuff that don't really fit into like standard food categories that, you know, like that the Canadian food guide uses, for example. Um, so we think that this is probably happening um, because of changes in our food work behaviors due to, you know, where we physically have been uh, having to stay during COVID. So there's been a lot of people, you know, working from home more often, learning from home more often. And these have changes, um, have led to changes in our food preparation and management. So there have been lots of studies done around the globe. Um, some of them are reporting, you know, people are increasing the time that they spend cooking and preparing foods. Um, maybe you were one of those people who learned how to bake bread for the first time during COVID. Um, we also have seen uh, folks report decreases to the amount of food that they're purchasing uh, through takeout uh, at restaurants and things. So again, we're, we're making more of our own stuff at home. And so with an increase in meals prepared and eaten at home, we know that a byproduct of that is unavoidable food waste generation. Um, so, you know, if you're going to make something with fresh fruit and vegetables, there's going to be some extra pits, peels, stems, etc. that you are going to have to throw away as a result to that. Um, we haven't seen really a significant change in the generation of avoidable food waste. So despite, you know, rising food costs, um, maybe despite some challenges of actually getting to the grocery store and maybe not grocery shopping as frequently, we're not actually seeing any sort of decrease in the generation of those avoidable food waste. And that's where, you know, folks can save money on and do their part environmentally, socially, economically, because um, those are, again, that's the food that we really want to focus on reducing because we could have eaten it if we better managed it um, rather than those banana peels that we can't really do anything about unless we're not going to eat bananas anymore. Haley Ever joining us, lecturer and PhD candidate in the Department of Geography and Environment at Western University as we look at food waste. So the unavoidable stuff, I mean, stems, banana peels, Haley, we for a while had people starting up composting and you had composters in your backyard. And we, of course, have green bins that at some point will arrive in London. Keep our fingers crossed. Would that help with any of that avoidable food waste? Or does that still just become a number that uh, we we just can't do much about? No, that's a number that we really can't do that much about. It's just a byproduct of eating certain types of, of food. Um, so that's why the focus really needs to be on that avoidable stuff. Those, um, you know, using more food management behaviors, increasing our food literacy, that's where we can lead to changes where, you know, we don't let that slice of pizza in the back of our fridge get moldy. We don't let that big ball of potentially chicken in the freezer, but you're not really even sure what it is. We, we avoid those situations from the get-go. Um, and some ways that we can do that are improving, for example, our food literacy skills. Um, so some things would be like making a shopping list before you go grocery shopping and only buying what's on your list. Um, a lot of folks, unfortunately, don't understand what a best before date is. And so that can lead to some uh, confusion and the resulting uh, throwing away of food that 
maybe folks think are not is not okay to eat anymore, but really you can still eat it. Um, and love your leftovers. There seems to be a stigma where people don't like leftovers. I love leftovers. Cooking once a week? Come on, that's such a time saver. Um, yeah, we want to make sure that we're, you know, all those new uh, recipes that we've tried out over COVID, all of our new bread baking skills, we're using those skills, but then we're actually eating what we're making afterwards. And that can include, you know, freezing it, but then not letting it become a giant ice ball in the freezer, taking it out and, and enjoying it. Um, and also, you know, maybe sharing with neighbors or, or maybe having those recipes if you don't want to eat lasagna for two weeks and because you just made too much. Great stuff. Okay, then let's hit on one of those things before we go. And that is the best before date, because you're right. That is a confusing thing where I want to trust the date on the actual container that it's in. And I don't want to go beyond because I I don't know. It, it may not smell bad, but I don't want to end up with a stomach ache. I don't have time to have the after effects of some sort of food poisoning. What do you recommend there, Haley? Yeah, so a best before date actually only has to do with quality and not health and safety. So a best before label is not telling you anything about whether or not a food item is safe to eat or not. Um, you know, you could eat something that the best before date has not passed yet and still end up with, you know, an upset tummy. But, um, you know, so if we're using those best before dates on their own to determine, you know, whether something is okay to eat or not, um, that's not the best approach. Really, we need to be using our senses, right? We need to be looking for mold. We need to be smelling our products um, to make sure. And even, you know, a little taste test if you need to, to determine if, you know, that, that milk's a little sour tasting. Um, that's really the only way to determine food safety is, is by using your senses. So for folks that are using those best before dates to determine if something's safe or not, it's not actually what those labels are indicating. It's just saying that at that date, um, the, qual- the overall quality of the product might start to decline. We want our groceries to go as far as they can. Haley, thank you for the tips on helping us to do that. We appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, Mike. Food waste and how to cut it down with Haley Everett, lecturer and Ph.D. candidate in the Department of Geography and Environment at Western University.